podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. We were all waiting for it, the squad announcement for the Euro 2020 tournament, and we have it. Steve Clark has named the 26 players he'll be taking, or hoping to take, injury providing to the finals. I suppose we could call this the squad pod. It's uh, myself, Andy, alongside Ben Ramage and Gordon Shiak, as usual. We all brought our preferred 26 to the table earlier this week. But now we know what Clark's finalised selection is. And there are not too many surprises. We're, we're going to run through uh, and from back to front, I suppose, or we, we can start with the, the biggest talking points, guys. Um, but th- there are not too many surprises. I suppose the, the main talking points are the inclusions of Billy Gilmore and Nathan Patterson, probably David Turnbull as well. Uh, you could include in that three uncapped players. Uh, Kevin Nisbet makes it with just one cap to his name. Lee Griffiths and Lauren Shankland are left out. There's uh, quite a lot to, to get through for something that uh, I've identified as not having too many surprises in it. So uh, let's get going. Uh, we'll come to you first, Gordon. Did things pan out the way that you A, expected and B, liked? Well, first and foremost, things panned out in a way that I almost couldn't have imagined in my wildest dreams because we're talking about the first major finals squad announcement for Scotland's men in 23 years. It, it, it still, it still doesn't really quite feel real that it's happened. Um, I think what was, what was really exciting, you know, the video that the Scottish FA used to announce it, you know, with all the famous faces in it, I thought that was fantastic. And I can't wait to watch that again and again. Um, one thing that I'm not sure if you guys picked up on, but I really appreciated was that every single player was accompanied with a bespoke graphic of that player um, I saw the call going out a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago from the Scottish FA looking for graphic designers all over Scotland so this is a, a 26 different people all around Scotland who have submitted their work to be included and that just that's a really great thing to see that being reflected in the announcement I mean I think this is a really bold selection from Steve Clark you know I mean to take three uncapped players in a major final squad is a big decision to take two teenagers is a big decision I think what really excites me about this squad is that this is almost a perfect blend between a squad that's built for the summer and a squad that's built for the future. I mean, we spoke earlier in the week about the prospect of getting Gilmore and Patterson into a squad to train for a whole month that they would then be ready to hit the ground running when it comes to World Cup qualifiers in September. So I see so much to be excited about, really so much. Um, Yeah, over the moon, delighted. Can't wait. Okay, Ben, what's exciting you? Yeah, I, I, just touching on the video that the SFA released, that was great. Um, loved, you know, the build-up to midday today. It was kind of like the nerves you get before you find out who's in your group. It's just that sort of excitement and, you know, anything can happen. And it was a surprise selection. I think the, the three uncapped players, we spoke in the build-up to it that we thought Clark was going to go with this tried and, tried and trusted players. And to be fair, you know, he listened 
to maybe his his gut instinct a wee bit and he thought, okay, Gilmore and Patterson, you've seen them play. They're, they're definitely good enough. Um, I still, for me, the squad is a little bit heavy towards the defence. I'm a little bit worried about the uh, attacking options going forward should there be an injury to any of our key strikers. Um, but yeah, I think there's not too many surprises. I think it's a really strong squad. There's plenty, plenty to go on. Okay, Ben, well, if that's a concern of yours, let's start at that end of the pitch for a change. Normally, we go from keeper to strikers, but there's not really much to discuss with the, the goalkeeping situation. Is there? The only talking point is third choice. John McLaughlin has been picked over. The two contenders, I suppose, would be Xander Clark and Liam Kelly. Um, but I heard the Sports Sound guys last night saying that you know, the, the role of the third-choice keeper is maybe somewhat underrated. They know their place in the squad and they're there to um, to bounce off the other two um, who are likely to get game time. Uh, they train together. They have to have a good relationship. They, it's helpful if they're friends already. They spend quite a lot of time together on the training field. So I suppose uh, that's something that Steve Clark's taken into account there when selecting John McLaughlin. But that's enough on the keepers. Um, so let's go to the striking department. Ben, uh, Three strikers and two wingers, I suppose, um, are the, in the five attackers. Shea Adams, Lyndon Dykes and Kevin Nisbet. And then the wingers, who can also play, I suppose, centrally just off a target man, uh, James Forrest and Ryan Fraser. So what concerns you there? Yeah, I think when you look at a 26-man squad, you know, especially having the extra three, it's a concern for me to only have three centre-forwards. I know when they put the, the squad out, they had five forwards, and they include Fraser and Forrest in that. But those two cannot play a centre-forward. And this squad, this formation, you have to have an out-and-out centre-forward for it to work. And for me, Dykes is the only one that's actually really playing that sort of hold-up nine role. And if anything was to happen to him, if he was to get injured, I'm really concerned about what that would then, the knock-on effect of that would be. If he was to get injured in the first game, God forbid, we're left with Nisbet, and Adams, and Nisbet has one cap and Adams has three caps. We've obviously got really high hopes for Adams, but I just feel like that's a hell of a lot of pressure on one end when you actually had a very big squad uh, to choose from. So uh, we've got 10 defenders in the squad. We've actually got quite a lot of versatile defenders. We spoke about Tierney. I spoke about maybe leaving Taylor out because Tierney can play that left wing back if needed. For me, I would have freed up a space with Taylor and I would have had Griffiths or Patterson who are an out-and-out striker. That's just my opinion. Gordon, are those concerns you share or are you fairly comfortable with the options we've got now? Yeah, I can certainly see where Ben's coming from, especially because this Scotland side, probably different to most Scotland sides that we've grown up uh, watching, they don't really play with one striker. We do tend to play with two and Right now, that would be Lyndon Dykes in the real central striker battering ram role, and it'd be Shea Adams in the supporting supporting role. So that's two of your strikers starting on the pitch, potentially in every game, leaving you with only one on the bench. I, th- I think if, if anything were to happen to Lyndon Dykes, I think you'd maybe have to almost advocate to s- amending the system a little bit, which we have done, you know, playing with almost like a, a 3-4-3. Um, then you can be bringing in guys like Ryan Fraser, James Forrest, to play more traditionally wide roles leaving one striker in the middle um, but I think as well also you have to bear in mind that one of the things that's been the hallmark of this team in the last year is John McGinn coming up from midfield you know when strikers make runs and make holes in the defence it's John McGinn who's been coming in with the late runs 
to score goals. So there is a lot of threat in this team, just because there might not necessarily be quite so many quote-unquote centre-forwards, there is a hell of a lot of threat in this team going forward. You know, Clark referenced that in his press conference today. He pointed to John McGinn's goals. Ryan Christie has a fairly decent goal-scoring record. Ryan Fraser's not a centre-forward. I think he's got 3-3 three and three for Scotland. Forrest, it's a bit fraudulent because he's got five goals for Scotland, but they came in two games um, in 2017, it would have been, yeah, yep. 27, no, 20, 2018 against Israel uh, and Albania. So, yes, I think that although our strikers are not full of uh, goals for the national team, they are very early on, on in their national careers and hopefully they will build and they will come because Ben Lee Griffiths has only got four goals for Scotland and he's not had the most consistent time of it with the national team. He's been in and out on the bench, off the bench. And yes, he had a, a great role to play in getting us here, scoring the first penalty against Serbia. But he's not someone that has been banging them in for Scotland over the past two years to three years. No, and it's interesting. You touched on Forrest. He's only played seven times since September um, and three of those were as a sub. So I actually think Forrest has been not fortunate to get in, but I think Clark obviously thinks very highly of him to have him in. You look at Griffiths, he's still played 30 games this season. He scored seven goals for a fairly poor Celtic team. And as you alluded to, you look at the impact he had, you know, coming off the bench with two minutes to go against Serbia, scores the first penalty. To me, that shows how mentally strong he is, you know, how calm he is in a pressure moment. We know that this this fourth or fifth choice striker isn't going to start the game, but if you want someone to come on with 10, 15 minutes to go that can hold their nerve in a big occasion, for me, Griffiths is that man. And no one cannot, no one will tell me that he couldn't get fit enough to make a sub-appearance in the next month if he was away with the international camp. And for me, the carrot of being a star for Scotland at a major tournament, if that's not enough to keep him on the straight and narrow, then I don't, I don't know what would be. Okay, well, let's move on to talk about a few that have been included rather than left out. Gilmore. Does Billy Gilmore have a chance of starting, Gordon, the opening game against the Czech Republic? So, from my perspective, as much as I said at the beginning that you know it's a bold call for Steve Clark to include three uncapped players, and I think it is, by the time that first game comes around, none of those three guys should be uncapped. You know, we've got the friendly against the Netherlands, we've got the friendly against Luxembourg. I would very much like to think that all three of those players will get minutes and potentially even start, ideally, against Luxembourg. So who's to say they won't start? I mean, you know, we saw with Andy Robertson, you know, the famous example when sort of Gordon Strachan included him in a squad for a friendly against Poland, sort of with the intention of getting him in to train and have a wee look at him with no expectation that he was going to play. And one training session, and he's like, I have to start this guy. And he goes in and plays in Poland, and he's played ever since for Scotland. So, you know, these guys have got an incredible opportunity right now to go with the Scotland team and be with them for weeks on end, be under Steve Clark's nose, and really impress him. Because, you know, we've talked about credibility being in the bank for guys, and, and some guys do have that. But we've never had an opportunity like this to impress a manager day after day. So... Who's to say? I, I wouldn't want to rule him out. I mean, frankly, we ruled him out of the squad two months ago. <laughs> we said he's booking his holidays and here he is in the squad. So what do we know? <laughs> ben, I'm not going to take the piss out of Luxembourg or demean them in any way. They've just beaten Republic of Ireland who have been able to laugh at us for the past decade or two. 
but would it be better to start Gilmore, Turnbull and or Patterson against Netherlands in a tougher environment, environment rather than Luxembourg? It's interesting. It would certainly be a much tougher test or you could split them. You wouldn't have to start them all in the same game. You know, you could maybe play one off Turnbull or one off Patterson. Um, I think it's really interesting what Gordon says because as much as Clark will have seen Gilmore and seen Patterson in games, he won't have seen them lined up alongside who they're trying to beat into the Scotland team. And if Gilmore is outplaying every other midfielder in the squad in training, likely if Patterson is out, outperforming Stephen O'Donnell, then there's the only other reason is for experience. So it will come down to Clark who he trusts in such a massive game. You know, the pressure on that first that Czech Republic game is going to be humongous. So it's going to be a lot to ask a teenager to take that on. But if he thinks that they have the mental capacity to do it and he sees that in training they're technically as good or better than who they're trying to get in ahead of, then I, I certainly wouldn't be against it. Yeah, let me put it to you then. If Callum McGregor was injured uh, for the opening game against Czech Republic and Billy Gilmore came in to replace him, would either of you have any qualms whatsoever? No. Well, if that's what if that's what Steve Clark thinks and if that's what Steve Clark goes with, having worked with the guy, because obviously you've got to be in mind, he's, Steve Clark has never worked with these players. He's had all the rest of them in camps. He's worked with them. He's trained with them. He's never had them in. Um, although I, w- I would flag up, there was a, an article in, in The Athletic a week or so ago um, by their Chelsea writer about Billy Gilmore and about his big decisions to be made this summer, about potentially going away on loan or staying. And I just want to read one little bit from it when he said um, about the possibility of representing Scotland. Um, it's always been a uniquely enticing one for Gilmore. Um, uh, several of Gilmore's countrymen already believe he is the best technical footballer at Clark's disposal. So, I mean, if Billy Gilmore is going to come in and, and like Ben's saying, you've, Clark and his coaching staff will very quickly see how he stacks up against the best that Scotland has to offer in those positions. And if he is outperforming them and he's out-training them, why not? I mean, you've seen Billy Gilmore go into that Chelsea team and play in big games against big opposition. So why would a game against the Czech Republic phase him? Is that the midfield position, Ben, that is up for grabs? We expect McTominay to be one of the sitters. Clark actually said today that McTominay has been brought in and he'll play as a midfielder. He's not here to be considered as a defender. So we can officially nail McTominay down to one of the two holding spots, probably on the right. John McGinn is nailed on starter and attacking midfield. So Callum McGregor, who probably currently holds the jersey next to McTominay, has, has been good at points for Scotland. He was really good in Serbia. I think that was his standout performance in the most important game. He's not had a great season for Celtic. Mind you, Billy Gilmore's not played much for Chelsea. He's only come into the team recently. So if that is that the position in midfield, the, the left-sided holder, that we could see a bit of rotation? Yeah, I would say so. I think you'd look, look at Gilmore. He started in their win over Man City a few weeks ago. He started in the Champions League against Krasnodar and he also played against Sevilla. He started the FA Cup semi-final win over Sheffield United. So there's no argument for me that he cannot play on big occasions. He has proven that he very much can. You touched on McGregor. McGregor was superb against Serbia. That is the best I have ever seen him play in a Scotland jersey. He was phenomenal. And if we could get that every every Scotland game out of him, then I think he would be a nailed-on starter every time. 
the issue is that consistency hasn't always been there. But saying that, I think the amount that he has won with Celtic, I know obviously not this season, but in previous seasons, he is a winner. He's a leader. Managers absolutely love him. I, th- I think I'd be surprised if Gilmore got in ahead of him, especially for the opener. I think the opener is going to be so, you know, such a nerve-wracking occasion. I think McGregor's the kind of guy you want in midfield. But I, like we kind of touched on, I think Gilmore has enough experience already that he's shown that he can play on a big stage. Okay, well, there, there is one midfielder who has missed out. He was trending on Twitter. He's been generating a lot of talk among some Scotland supporters. Ryan Gold isn't in the squad. We, we Again, we, we recognised on Monday, fellas, that he's had a great season in Portugal. Um, he's He's got a strong goal return. I think it's nine. Uh, important to put into context that over half of them have been penalties. Um, he's assisted a few, most of them from set pieces, um, and but he's had a lot of man of the match awards. Uh, there are the point flying around Twitter a lot seems to be how can John Fleck get in ahead of uh, Ryan Gold? So I think it's important to distinguish that they are different positions. Yeah, John Fleck's been included as one of the the sitters alongside McTominay, McGregor, and Gilmore. Gold, if included, would have been one of the attacking midfielders alongside Christy Armstrong and McGinn. Uh, or, or Turnbull, who is included. Um, so, yeah, Rheingold has been left out, I think, just because there is a queue of players ahead of him who have done the business recently for Scotland and been part of a successful squad. And unfortunately for him, David Turnbull has just been named Young Player of the Year in Scotland and been the shining light in a crap Celtic team. So where do you guys stand on the, the gold debate? Yeah, I think I can completely understand why he's not been included. I mean, uh, obviously, you always need to tread carefully. I I appreciate there are so many people who have followed Gold so closely this season and championed him at every opportunity, which I think is wonderful. It is great that he's gone abroad and he's tried something completely different. And the fact that he went abroad, it didn't really work out for him and he's still stuck at it and he's, he's made a success in Portugal. And I think that speaks a lot to him. I mean, we've said time after time, how many of the Scotland squad have overcome hurdles, be it injury or mental challenges or being left out. And he would fit right in, in that. I think, I think this summer, this tournament's maybe come a summer too early for Rangold. You know, he's only 25 years old. I think he's obviously a free agent this summer. If he makes a move to a club that's going to be playing top end of a league, challenging for Europe, playing in the Europa League potentially, then and continues that level of form, he'll be impossible to ignore. You know, this is this this won't be the end of the conversation when it comes to Ryan Gold. But I have to agree with you, Andy, that the competition he was up against was incredibly fierce. And maybe if he'd been involved in a couple of squads in the last year, been in training, been under Steve Clark's nose a bit more, he might have had more of a chance. But it's been unfortunate for him. I do feel badly for him, but you can understand why he's not there. Ben, as Gordon says, Ryan Gold's a free agent. If he gets a move to a decent team and, and starts the season well and combine that with maybe an injury for John McGinn or Armstrong or someone else that's ahead of him, Christy maybe, then we might see Ryan Gold included in the, the squad for the the qualification games in the autumn. Yeah, it, it's certainly not a, a point where it's you're either in this squad or you're never considered again. As Gordon says, he's 25. He's got plenty of time. I think for this squad... You can't argue against the people that have been picked ahead of him. The only one you could maybe argue is Turnbull. I, to me, it was almost like a straight shootout between Turnbull and Gold. Well, 
Turnbull's 21 and he's got 10 goals in 39 games for a, a fairly poor Celtic squad. You know, he's got a number of assists too. He's played in the Europa League. He started in a 3-2 win over Lille. He is, you know, we've championed him before. His technique is incredible. And um, I understand that Gold has had a very, very good season. Um, as you say, maybe if he was playing for a, a better team, playing up at the higher end of the table, you know, training with better players, maybe that would all make a difference. For me, at the moment, Turnbull was the right option. Um, not to say the Gold might not get in if there's injuries going forward. And especially, obviously, going on to the World Cup, as you say, his chance may well come. But I think, I think there's been an overreaction as to why he should have absolutely been in this squad. I, I don't think that's the case. We've we've had a couple of uh, mentions on Twitter from Sam Taylor and Glenn Schroeder, who, who I have to say has also analysed the squad. Uh, he's an Aberdeen fan, and on his Red Tinted Glasses podcast, was having a good chat about the squad with his Aberdeen pals uh, will be worth a listen. Um, but the two of them are, are querying about the inclusions of Forrest and Fraser purely from a fitness standpoint. Forrest has missed a lot of this season uh, and couldn't handle the demands on his body. I think when he came back, uh, he suffered a hamstring injury soon after he came back into the Celtic fold and he's played the last couple of games, yeah. Uh, and uh, who's the other? Ryan Fraser, who Steve Bruce said would, would be too much of a risk to be included. Was that Bruce just trying to protect his player and make sure he was fit for pre-season? Or do you have any concerns that maybe Ryan Fraser is not in good enough shape here to, to play in the Euros? Yeah, I think I, th- I think those Steve Bruce comments, you have to look at the perspective and the agenda that he's bringing. And frankly, if I was Ryan Fraser's club manager, I'd be pretty annoyed as well because it has seemed like Ryan Fraser's uh, periods of fitness this season have been in the build-up to international games. He's played in international games. He's brought an injury home and he's been out for a while. So, you know, maybe that just shows where Ryan Fraser's uh, priorities have been this year in terms of playing for Scotland or playing for his club. And frankly, that's brilliant. I mean, we spoke earlier in the week that you listen to Ryan Fraser's interviews, he would run through brick walls for this team. He'd run through brick walls for this manager. So I have no doubt that he will do everything it takes to be ready for this tournament. And of course, you have to bear in mind, I'm not sure if Steve Clark actually mentioned in his press conference about, about do we have a, a standby list? Because obviously this squad is really, it's only provisional until the 1st of June. The 1st of June is the deadline that we have to submit it to UEFA. So effectively, they have until then to prove their fitness. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to right back for the time being. Nathan Patterson was a player I think we all wanted in the squad. Am I right in saying that, guys? We, we all had yeah. him in our preferred squads if, if we were the Scotland manager. I did not expect to see him there. Um, are both of you as equally and pleasantly surprised as I am? Yeah, definitely pleasantly surprised. You know, when we spoke before, we talked about players that had credit in the bank as Clark has tried to build this sort of club mentality, which is great. But he's almost gone against himself in that in dropping Liam Palmer because Palmer's been one of his guys and he's always he's always looked to him. So but I, I really I really respect him for that because I think he's realized that Patterson is an exciting talent. He's got a lot more um, possibility to grow in the future. I think bringing him in at this age is brilliant. Likewise with Gilmore, I think to bring these youngsters into a major tournament environment and sort of bed this into their mentality that this is the level that Scotland can be at and Scotland should play at, I think that's brilliant. I think that is something that we need to foster. So, no, I'm delighted to see Patterson in there. 
Gordon, I'm not trying to rip the jersey off O'Donnell's back, but I saw a point made on Twitter today, and I, I do think that O'Donnell has earned the right to start. I don't know enough about the Czech Republic to, to comment, but looking at the Croatian and the English teams, the left-sided players are likely to be Phil Foden and Perisic. Now, the pace of Nathan Patterson could come in quite handy against those two, regardless of his experience. Is it too much too soon? Probably not. I mean, it certainly wasn't too much too soon for Steven Gerrard this season when James, I mean, admittedly his hand was forced to an extent when James Tavernier was injured, but Nathan Patterson came in and then held that jersey because he deserved it, because he'd earned the right to keep it. So again, you'll we'll see a lot of that from what Steve Clark gets on in training with Nathan Patterson. Um, and of course, the first two friendly games as well. I'm completely in agreement with Ben. I, I'm so pleasantly surprised that he has made this decision. Although I think that I'm not sure this is quite going against his principles so much. I mean, I think if it was Nathan Patterson in the squad at the expense of Stephen O'Donnell, that would be a great shock because O'Donnell has had the consistency of growing with this starting 11. I think we know what the starting 11 is probably going to be out of this squad right now, but Clark has taken the opportunity to make some changes on the fringes, which I think is the right way to refresh a squad. Um, and again, you've got to think, what does this say to every other really promising young player in Scotland? You know, that you don't have to be... 23, 24 years old to get into a national team. If you are good enough and you're exciting and you're working hard enough, the pathway is right there to get to into the main squad and potentially play a major final. So it's exciting all around. Yeah. Um, it, there are, I think, a few people that that say on Twitter, you know, three left-backs. Why do we need three left-backs? Again, it's important to distinguish here that Keane Tierney has, yes, raised a left-back born a left-back, but now a centre-back for Scotland. He's not included under the same bracket as Andy Robertson and Greg Taylor. But there are still a few people that say, is there a need for Greg Taylor, such as yourself, Ben? Because if Andy Robertson does get injured or sent off, we've got a centre-half that can step in and allow Tierney to go out to left-back. Is that certainly the way that you would rather see this Scotland squad operating? Yeah, 100%. Honestly, I think... We've, we've had the debate whether Tierney is actually better at left-back than Robertson. And I, we've, we've kind of, we've come to a conclusion, obviously, that Robertson is never going to be dropped. But for me, with Robertson's fitness, he is going to play every single minute of this tournament unless he gets injured. And for me, at that point, who would be our most dangerous and most equipped left-back? It would be Tierney. It, over, over Taylor. I would have Tierney at left-back over Taylor. So, and we've, we've got 10 defenders we have another centre-back option or two or three that could play that left-sided centre-back. So for me, you get rid of Taylor, which is there's nothing against Taylor. I know he's a, he's a good, solid left-back. But for me, that would free up a space for a Griffiths or a Patterson that would give us a lot more squad depth and strength up front, which for me is the one place where we're just a little bit light. I think Taylor is someone that Clark clearly trusts Gordon having worked with him at Kilmarnock, uh, he's, he's doing fine at Celtic, I suppose. Um, and also, I know the, the graphic that you've put on the Tartan Scarf before of goal attribute, uh, sorry, goal, uh, what do you call it? Contri- goal goals and assists per yeah, 90. Goal yeah. contributions. Taylor's fairly high on the list of assists, am I right? He has, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's certainly chipped in a fair bit under under Steve Clark. So, yeah, I, th- I, think, I think Greg Taylor's been low-key, just pretty damn fine whenever he's come in at left-back. Um, but you know the, the 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 point Ben's making, you know that yes, I totally agree that Andy Robertson will play every minute, which kind of makes the argument 
a no-brainer that Kieran Tierney just has to play at left side to centre-back because otherwise you're talking about Kieran Tierney sitting on the bench for three games and we, you can't do that for a player of his ability and his talent. So I'm, I'm very at peace with the idea of both of them playing every game. John Bleasdale has been in the mentions asking about who are the guys that are in the departure lounge still watching this plane drift off into the sky. So those that are maybe on standby, um, let me throw some names at you. Andy Considine, probably the first centre-half on the list, should any of them get injured. Uh, Palmer, should anything happen to one of the right-backs. Central midfielders, I suppose one of the deeper-lying ones would be Graham Shinney, although he's not been involved much, or if at all, under Steve Clark, has he? Um, And in an attacking sense, I don't know what the situation would be with Johnny Russell and Lewis Morgan. Mm. And Callum Patterson as well, of yeah, course. Callum Patterson also. Griffiths, uh, Burke injured. Uh, Shankland would be, I suppose, um, on the mm. list as well. Are, are there any that you feel um, we're missing out there? No, not that I can see, to be honest. I think Considine, you know, I did feel for him uh, missing out, but I think he, he'll understand, I, I would imagine, how it's come about that he's missed out. But, you know, there's a question mark, I think, over Cooper's fitness a little bit. I think if there was to be any sort of issue with centre-backs, Constantine would come in. Um, Total safe pair of hands. Yeah, and I think Lewis Morgan has, he would be one as well, though. I think if Forrest maybe or Fraser wasn't fit, he could maybe come in as that sort of creative player because he's, you know, technically very, very good, very good at going past players as well. So I certainly wouldn't mind him being called up. Well, Gordon, you've said that you feel the Scotland eleven is fairly set. Yeah. Who from the squad do you expect or back to disrupt that and break in? Someone who you, who you might not regard as a starter. I mean, probably really the only one that would actually constitute a surprise would be someone like a Billy Gilmore, because the rest of them have all had minutes and all played games. You know, if, if, if Declan Gallagher so, starts ahead of Grant Hanley... That so not all of them are starters, though. I mean... No, no. I would not class McKenna as a starter for Scotland. I would not class no. Stuart Armstrong as a starter for Scotland. Mm. I mean, there, there, there are great players there, but they are impact players or standby players, really, in the squad. Yeah, yeah. You, you you probably would be surprised to see guys like that starting. Um, but again, we've championed that for so long that I think it's a great thing that we've got a designated starting eleven who you basically know will start games because, funnily enough, we've, we've made a better team out of it. Ben? I think the player playing off of Dykes will be quite an interesting choice because you look, obviously, Adams, I would really like to see Adams play that role, but... He's also really loved Christie playing that role and Christie has been very successful playing that role. Fraser has also been very successful playing that role. So I think that'll be quite a big call as to who plays that sort of support striker. It's such an important position. So I think that'll be an interesting one to to keep an eye on. Are you backing Dykes as the main man up front? Yeah, I would have Dykes up front as the target man and I would have Adams playing just off around him. Um, but I could certainly see Christie also playing that role or Fraser because I think Fraser and Dykes linked up superbly well in the few games that they played for Scotland together. What about you, Gordon? You're a bit of a Shea Adams fanboy. Is he the first striker on the team sheet for you or Dykes? 
Um, both of them. I mean, I love what both of them are bringing, and I think both of them can bring complementary attributes uh, to this Scotland side. You know, you saw in those games in the World Cup qualifiers, it was Dykes was often kind of the battering ram that would create space for other people, and it was a couple of times John McGinn who was able to make use of that space. But I see a lot of potential in the combination with Shea Adams and, and Dykes. I, I think Shea Adams is technically head and shoulders above any of our strikers, so he has to play but I think we're going to get the best out of him when he's played alongside uh, Lyndon Dykes, for sure. Well, things are getting closer and things are becoming more real by the day. I was, I was sent a message on Twitter uh, yesterday by Neil Grant, who is a sports songwriter, and he's releasing a Scotland Euro 2020 song, and he's given us permission um, to end the podcast with that. So rather than the usual we play out, we'll, we'll end the podcast with uh, with Neil Grant's song, um, which is being released by Lucky Jock's record label this Saturday. Uh, proceeds go to Scotland's mental health charity, Sam H, which is great stuff. Um, so, yeah, guys, we're, we're going to have to find ways to keep talking about this over the next month or two. I'm sure we won't struggle too much. Let's just stay with our fingers crossed and our toes crossed that the, the main men don't get injured. It was a scare last night with McTominay. Uh, going off injured from Man or the, the night before against Fulham, but I think he's fine. Just a, a slight ankle injury, which might rule him out of the Europa League final, but no concerns for Scotland, which is very good news. Um, so, yeah, um, the Scotland Euro 2020 song, There's No Team Like Scotland. Well, I'll end the podcast with that, give everyone a listen. In the meantime, guys, let's just keep the positivity going. Let's just keep the, the train rolling along, the hype train, and uh, let's see where it takes us. Cheers, guys.
Sports Social Podcast Network.